are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kim. I invite you to journey with me to a new day. I believe God has led you to this moment and this place because he is about to bring purpose and potential to your story. So join thousands of women and men from around the globe who have discovered how powerful their stories become once Christ touches them with his purpose. Don't you long to make this same discovery? Then grab your coffee, scoot in, and join me as we let God's Word reveal how every part of your past has been preparing you for this very moment. Are you growing weary? It should be no surprise in light of the worldwide pandemic, protests, looting, racial divisions, and uh, even the election battles. For many of us, fear and loss of hope are gaining ground in our hearts, but it doesn't have to be that way. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee with Kim, conversations of friends of faith to encourage and equip your heart today. I'm Kim Crable, your host. It's an easy time for us to begin to lose hope, but today's guest is here to help us confront that fear with something that's so much greater. Jason Jimenez, pastor, national speaker, apologist, author of several books, and founder and president of Reshift Ministries is here to help us, joins us today to help us to learn to grasp and learn to biblically navigate through our world's troubled times as grounded disciples of Christ. Pastor will bring to us a message today to equip us to stand strong with a biblical worldview to defend the truth and to win our lost culture back to Christ. It is such an honor and a pleasure to invite you, Pastor, onto the coffee show. Welcome so much. Thank you, Kim. It's an honor to be with you. Did I slaughter your last name? Let's just let's just start there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm in the pre-show. You you did a good job, so your audience should be very proud of Ken. You guys, you did a good job. Oh, good, good. Well, um, the spelling J I M E N E Z for those of you who are already going to want to be looking this man up and his books to order. Um, it just has a wealth of information. So let's just start from the beginning. Where are your pastor? Well, so I've pastored uh, in Arizona and North Carolina, and uh, so I did that for well over 16 years, primarily ministering to families at large. So with married mm-hmm. couples, you know, divorced couples, you know, through, you know, when I started in the in the mid to late 90s to now, uh, Kim, it's been really sad, though, because it's like as each decade goes by, there's more divorce and more broken families. And so certainly, um, you know, when I was moving our ministry uh, to the East Coast uh, was seeing just, again, a growing decline. And uh, so we have made it a, a burden, a passion of ours from the Lord to minister to, to families primarily. And so we then launched in 2012 to do a national ministry, um, which we started as Reshift Ministries, and it, ter- it took a different twist with the emphasis of Stand Strong Ministries because that was it. It was we were trying to reinforce biblical truth in men's lives, trying to reinforce biblical truth in their marriages, trying to reinforce biblical principles in parenting, and even trying to reinforce biblical principles uh, in the culture today, whether it be through education or in politics, because that was one of the things, too, with my tenure uh, in full-time ministry as a student and family pastor was seeing that there were so many uh, you know, Christians unwilling, right, or have a, mm-hmm. whether it be fear or apathy to not engage the culture in their faith, because in some cases, many of them believe that they don't have a right to do that because of, you know, a false teaching that has permeated our country since the, the mid-1940s of separation in church and state. So my burden uh, almost about 10 years ago was to try to take a biblical worldview into our culture and start educating, equipping churches, and that's what we've been doing for the last eight years. Wow, that's a huge – that is a huge ministry, and, you know, one of the things, my ministry is primarily with women, which, of course, affects the homes, but it, it's, um, I've always told the women, you, you know, primarily, your first ministry is always in the home, 
making that tone mm-hmm. sound and raising our children. And you, I think you have four children and a lovely wife. So yep. You know what that's like and the pressures that, that we face. But, Pastor, think about what, what in the, these last few months in this pandemic, uh, with, what have you seen happening going on with our families through this? Yeah, that's a great question, Kim. You know, and I and I want to say to your listeners, even as things have been hitting hard since this new year, and I know a lot of us with the 2020 vision, right, a lot of churches we're using to try to, you know, yeah. expand whether their ministry and numerically or get into regions that they never thought they, they would be able to get into a better year, let's say for, you know, their kids going to school. Uh, but that was not the case for for many families, as you know, and many people have gotten sick. And I, we even know people, sadly, who have died. Um, uh, from COVID. And so what we're seeing though, and and again, sometimes in order to really bring hope and healing, we have to address uh, what's really going on. And what we are seeing that has skyrocketed, Kim, in Mm -hmm. a lot of homes today. And again, Christian homes are not excluded. All right. They're not immune to this. And that is, that is the increase of anxiety. We have seen an increase of depression. We have seen the uh, national hotlines of, for suicide prevention skyrocket. Uh, I've talked yeah. to pastors all over this country since March when the numbers started to really, um, in, you know, increase in our, in our in our country with COVID cases, and you're seeing uh, an increase of drug abuse and alcohol abuse. Uh, we've seen yeah. a lot of separation. Uh, we we've been ministering with pastors who are trying to engage as best they can because, as you know, in some districts around the country, depending on their governor you know, and their state officials, what, how they're processing through these different phases of COVID. Some people have a lot more liberties to gather. Others don't. Um, that's a whole different discussion you and I can have about our religious freedoms and how we congregate and accommodate our faith here in the, in the country and what's been happening with COVID. But the yeah. bottom line is what we are seeing is we're seeing a growing um, uh, levels of depression that is very scary. Uh, but at the same time, what we are seeing during COVID, which completely and totally took people off guard, is a bonding together. Because I think in some cases when, when, when the routine has been interrupted, uh, you see a lot of God-fearing people who said, okay, let's take a look around us. What is it that we can be doing right now? What is it that God is showing us? And I'm seeing, and I'm sure you are, many of your listeners, we are getting back to the basics in many ways and so it's, again, as you, you and I know, we live in a fallen world. There's a real active enemy who's out there to kill, steal, and destroy. So there are a lot of families who are falling prey to, to the destruction and to the fear and, of course, seeing the increase of anxiety and depression. But at the same time, we're seeing people come back to God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and unity, I'm, I'm speaking this week uh, on, to a group on unity. And, you know, unity is not something that you, you have to unify in what you're talking about, biblical principles. And, and that's the only thing to confront this fear. Pastor, I was with a family just this weekend whose uh, daughter committed suicide. That was the fourth family mm-hmm. I've, I've stood with in the last uh, four or five weeks of young people who are committing suicide. Mm-hmm. So there is this fear that permeating our souls. One of the things I think is so important when you were talking about um, with, with the members of churches, one of the things that I do is I believe it's so important to help people know who they are in Christ so they can take a stand. I, I love to go into churches and share the truth of who you are in Christ and take back what the enemy thinks he has stolen from us so that we do feel um, worthy to proclaim his word. But um, so in the midst of all of that's going on, Pastor, and this book, Stand Strong America, oh, my gosh, what an amazing book for everyone to read. But, you know, I feel like, yes, while there are so many women who are picking up the banner and really standing firm, I love that scripture in Luke where it says to stand firm and you will gain life. You mm-hmm. know, it, we, have to, we have to come together as, as a man and wife, as husband and wife, these the men, I think, are starting to wake up a little bit more. Are you seeing that? Oh, without question. And I and I think that when you do see a direct um, battle that is going on, uh, you know, again, strategically, and I'm not saying it in a, in a flattering sense of, of, of the culture, the secularism that we're seeing on the rise today, but a strategic battle that is going after men um, personally. Mm-hmm. Right publicly, yes. And yes. you know, if there's one, if there's one thing that 
men will do, though, in the midst is they're not going to tolerate that for long. Now, sadly, in mm-hmm. some cases, when we've seen these attacks, things have been exposed about infidelity, corruption, right? Um, yeah. And, and, and so, in, so in, a, in a way, and then, of course, you know, of course, Satan will use that and say, well, you know, you know people in, in, in high positions and, you know, an evangelical leader who've been caught cheating or you got, you yeah. know, we're in an election cycle right now. And so, you know, my own state, you know, Cunningham, who's running against, you know, our incumbent, you know, Tom Tillis, yes. you know, just came out yes. that he had been having multiple affairs against his wife, you know, over mm-hmm. a decade plus ago. And yet he, it, he doesn't, it doesn't phase him. He's like, I'm still running. This doesn't stop right. my campaign. And the reason mm-hmm. being is because there's this, there's the, this, this moral ineptitude that we have today or not calling things out directly because of, of we're afraid of being judged, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like we're coming off judging too harshly. So what's happening, though, in all, in all these arenas, and especially with the hashtag Me Too kind of stuff, it's caused men to be quiet. It's caused men yes. to kind of run away. You know, you've got corporations coming down hard from HR departments telling men this is what you can and cannot say. This is what you're going to be endorsing, what you're not going to be endorsing, forcing people to take certain knees. And what I'm sensing with a lot of men, it's when push comes to shove, it's like, okay, I'm getting tired of this. Okay, yes. and they're seeing that their families are falling apart. And I will tell you, Kim. Mm-hmm. Separate from the corporate life that a lot of these men are living that are listening right now, when a year, a few years ago, my same colleague who wrote the book with me, Stand Strong America, we wrote with Focus on the Family. We wrote a book called Abandoned Faith, and so we were interviewing primarily men and mm-hmm. religious leaders and talking about how they raised the millennials. And, of course, you and I know that they were the first generation next to Gen Z that's currently going into college now who yes. have abandoned the faith. And who are raised in Christian homes, and one of the things you would find over and over and over again with millennials is they say, I'm tired of the hypocrisy. And one of the primary things, Kim, and, you, and I know you are aware of this, the men were not leading as spiritual leaders in the home. Right. And so by the time their kids got older, they, could, they didn't have that kind of relationship, and, mm-hmm. and so it became awkward. And then when that son or daughter moves out or they start having more liberal bent views or they start opposing things that they were raised on – the parents had a very difficult time engaging that child mm-hmm. um, theologically, mm-hmm. uh, politically, uh, apologetically. And so what I'm seeing now from a lot of men is enough is enough. I need mm-hmm. to regain my authority, and I need to repent. Many guys are repenting now because they've backed down. They've been emasculated, and a lot mm-hmm. of guys are getting tired of it. And so I, I believe, Kim – that, again, with brokenness and a sense of strength, as you and I were saying, that comes from God himself, yes. and taking back your rightful position that God has ordained men to have, I believe we're on the precipice of a revival, and that's going to be through the wake-up call of men. Oh, Pastor, I pray so. And I, I will tell you, even while, you're, even while you're talking, I just feel the Holy Spirit just working because I believe that there are men who are listening or who will be listening that have been knocked down so many times because they were trying to do it on their own. And now they're, they've, mm-hmm. we've all been so stripped away of so many things that we idolize, so many things that the, that the uh, world applauded to. And, you know, when you get to into a place like where it's just you and God and you're home all the time, you know, you, you, you are knocked down. You can knock down, but, boy, when you rise up, there is a, you're stronger and you're more determined, and, and that's, what, that's what I'm seeing. Pastor, I, we already have a caller online. Uh, I haven't even announced that we're going to take calls, but we already – so if it's okay with you, I hate to interrupt you, but we have a caller that I'd love to just bring on and see what they have to say to you. So if that's okay with you, we'll bring on caller Absolutely. 5584. Great. Caller 5584, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. This is Janet. I'm calling from North Carolina. I see that um, the pastor said that he ministered on the East Coast, and I'm just wondering what part of North Carolina did he minister from? Uh, Well, Janice, welcome to the show. I appreciate the question. So I actually live in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I was uh, pastoring here for many years, and so I I base my ministry that I do nationally from here, from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Great. my question is, and um, I feel like I am the spiritual leader in my home. Um, uh, my husband 
knows God, and but I feel like I am the backbone. And, you know, there's many times that I just get very weary in that. And so mm-hmm. my question to you is, on the standpoint of that, how do I continue to feel like I am being purposed? Um, sometimes I just feel like I, I lose my purpose. Great question. Great question, Pastor. I bet I'm sure there would be thousands of people who would feel who would ask that question right now. Yeah, and Janice, I, I we do appreciate your open uh, openness and your honesty with that. And mm-hmm. and just to let you know, and 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 Kim can back this up. There are a lot of women who feel the way you feel, so you're not alone yes. in that. Yes. Um. And and it's unfortunate though. At the same time. You know, the the beauty of God's blueprint, as you know, uh, Janice, and I'm going to refer to a passage uh, for you to look up in a minute and for, for Kim's listeners to do as well, uh, especially if they can relate to where you're at. Um, but when you look at the blueprint of God, you see that it was not suitable. It was not good for man to be alone. And the sad reality is what's happened with a lot of men is that they're not willing to be vulnerable enough and admit that they need a godly wife. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible The Bible says in Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And so, you know, one of the things we have to be praying specifically is, Lord, yes, I pray and desire my husband to love you more than anything. That's a, that's a constant prayer you need to be praying to, is knowing that God has placed you in his life and if he's not leading the way that you need him, to, how many children do you guys have? Children and grandchildren? What we have, um, we have two children, and we have a 11 year old boy that we adopted. Um, we fostered him for two two years, and then ended up adopting him. And um, you know, and I feel I, I actually have to back up and say that I'm I felt very God quickened me very quick. Um, because I was going to send him back to school for two days. He's severe asthmatic. And it's like the Lord just quickened my heart and said, no, I don't want you to do that. Don't be selfish in trying to gain you a few days of peace just because of of that. And so I have actually put calls into the schools this morning to say, you know, I'm not going to send him back. I'm going to keep him home and I'm going to, I'm going to do the best I can with God's help to to mm-hmm. give him what he needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you get, so with children involved, I mean, it definitely gets a little bit more um complicated, doesn't it? But the thing is to remind you as 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 you are as you are discouraged and rightly so. Um one is as the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. The Bible also refers to women making sure that they don't become too naggy, right? Um, you know, right. or, or Solomon refers to it as a, as a constant drip. So what I always encourage women, just like you, Janice, number one, is when you look back in First Peter chapter 3, this is your go-to chapter. And it reminds us as a, as a wife that you are to win the conduct. Now, obviously, this is particularly referring to a non-believer. You said that he does believe in God, but he may not yes. be the spiritual leader that when you look at Scripture that he is. But it doesn't it doesn't matter whether they're not a believer or they're kind of a whether it be a carnal Christian or kind of a mediocre Christian, right? Or not leading as they as they need, you know, that they ought to be leading. But the point being is as a as you being a Christian woman, the Bible says that you're to win him over with respect in your pure conduct. And so that's what you you, you need to focus more on that than what he's he's failing to do, for example, right? Now, the last thing I would encourage you to do and to, to the listeners is if you have a godly, strong leader, because this is now going into Titus chapter 2, one, mm-hmm. of the, one, of the, the, one of the most effective blueprints that we have for the body, okay, these are for all local churches. I don't care what denomination. This is biblical. One of the mm-hmm. best and most effective tools that we have are godly men and women to advance the gospel through the lives of other families like yours. So what happens is your husband may struggle connecting. He may have a lot of insecurity. He may be quiet. He may have a maybe a private sin that he feels ashamed of, and there may be a plethora of reasons as to why. 
he's not leading the way he should. He may, you know, you know that almost 90% of men listening right now, Janice, have never been discipled. And that's my point. Right. So what I encourage right. is rather than try to fix your husband, we need to look for one, maybe a godly couple based on Titus chapter two that can come alongside you guys and help you where you're at in your stage of life or, and both, and it could be finding a godly man, maybe a pastor, maybe an elder, uh, maybe somebody who just can relate to your husband uh, because what happens now is a lot of times when the man just shuts down, he's not engaged, and you're the social person. You're the ones doing all the stuff and trying to get them to be the spiritual leader. I hear all the time from um, men, and I lead a, a men's group every week in my own city because I'm engaging my own Jerusalem, and they're they're from seven different churches. And what I hear even still with a lot of these men is, well, my my wife's more spiritual than I am. In a way, it's almost like a cop-out. That may be true. Mm-hmm. But it's all right. a pop out from a lot of men, and so so in order to in order to push back on that and start changing their thinking and confront them, instead of making excuses, you need to pray for a godly man to step into his life to help disciple your husband where he's at. I don't care if he's in his fifties. The reality is that's what we need to do more and more. And I'm praying and helping men do exactly that for them to look for husbands like yours. Um, and to, uh, to, conf- to confront them and to love them and to say, hey, let's spend time together. So let's pray that that will be one of the solutions for you rather than the burden being solely on you to try to, to, try to get him the help that he needs. Janet, Thank you so much. Great. Yes, that was great. And I know that your question there, uh, Pastor, you were able to answer a lot, of, a lot of concerns out there. So, Janet, thank you so much for calling in, friend. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Absolutely, sweet friend. Uh, Pastor, you made me think of uh, something that uh, we have a part of our ministry. There's some of the men who are uh, the husbands of some wives have uh, formed a a group, and they meet on Monday nights via Zoom now. But um, there was a quote that really uh, I I used with them not too long ago. It says, um, men know there's a need. They have no one to lead. You know, they feel they know that there's a need inside them, but they're looking around. And I can remember when I was, I was, I can remember being a woman like that. Like I knew the need, I knew where I wanted to go. I just know how to get there. And so, um, how? So I love that you said to the women, you know, pray for someone, get them connected with someone. So that was great. That was a huge uh, question answered right there. So, Pastor, what we're going to do is we're going to take a thirty-second break. And then when we come back, uh, and if we have any other callers uh, that would like to call in, the number is 347-324-5246, press 1, and we'll bring, bring it on, especially if it's something, a really strong question about the, where we are in the world today and how to stand strong in it with our families and our churches. Um, any question that you have that Pastor would love to answer, I know. But, Pastor, when we get back, you know where I'd really like to go is Paul tells us to be careful not to be deceived. Through his words, through all of his, so many of his writings, he, he talks so much about how we can uh, be fooled. He says, walk wise and, and not be fooled. I would like to go into what, what is it that we're seeing in our world? What is it that we're seeing that we are, we're fearing? But what is it that we're not seeing that we should be fearing? Is there anything mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I feel like there's so many smoke screens out there. I think there's so many. I remember, you know, in, in these old movies you used to watch where they were going to go in and, and um, break into a, a building. They'd go somewhere else and cause a destruction so all the eyes would be on the smaller destruction so they could go in and do the real damage, right? I just wonder sometimes mm-hmm. if that's not what is going on in our world. So we're going to take a 30-second break, and if it's okay with you, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Does that sound okay? Yeah, I look forward to it. Let's do it. All right, friends, we'll be back in 30 seconds. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee. We are so delighted that you're here. Remember, coffee is not just your beverage. Coffee stands for Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. And I know our guest today, Pastor, is really encouraging you with the word, but there's so much more to talk about. Before we go back to him, I'd like to uh, remind you, if you'd like to call in, you can call 347-324-5246, press 1. We'll take as many calls as possible. If not, then what we will do is make sure that you get the website to where you know how to reach um, our guest today. I'd also like to invite you to go to our Facebook page. I do a live most every morning. I uh, would love to have you be a part of the thousands of women who join there to encourage and equip one another. That's uh, www.facebook.com slash roses and rainbows. Or, or, of course, we'd love to have you visit our website at kimcrable.org. We've been so blessed lately. God has really given us great new areas to be able to share his goodness and his word. And if you'd like to be a part of that, you can look on um, any of the faith-based TV programs. You'll see the program Burdens of Blessings, which is my heartbeat, which is to help every woman and even men take back their lives by understanding that every part of your past can be used for God's glory. Please don't sit on the bench at church feeling unworthy when God wants to take your pain and give it purpose and allow you to comfort others with the same comfort that you've been given. You have a plan. You have a purpose. Let me give you the biblical walk of healing so that you can become a voice of hope. So tune in there. We'd love to see you. All right. There's lots of other things to talk about, but uh, let's just uh, bypass that. Be a part, join, join, find, find your network of believers that can encourage and equip you. And thank you for making Monday morning a place where you stop by to not only be encouraged, but to be an encouragement for those around you. So, Pastor, let's get back to this incredible, and I want to thank you again. I know you are a very busy man. I know you travel the world speaking and, and writing and all the things that you do, investing in leaders. It sounds to me like you are uh, investing leaders to equip and encourage the leaders. So thank you for, so much for your time here. Um, and let's just go right into our question today uh, in our second part of our uh, hour show, which is going by so quickly. What is it that we are afraid of out there? What is it that we're seeing that's causing so much fear and what is it that we are not seeing that we should be fearful of? Well, wow, that's a that's a very uh, important question. I, I think that we need to be asking <laughs> Kim uh, more often. But I do, uh, you know, know your heart and your vision and what you guys are trying to do. You know, there there's so many different things, and in, in, in all due respect, I think to people listening in different parts of the country. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I mean, again, like for example, currently right now, we're not seeing, for example. Um, the the virus hit us as hard as obviously it's hit other places, you know, right. or a lot more people rioting in the streets as other places, or not have some concerns with you know, some of the school districts, you know, being bankrupt and not you know capable of handling some of these issues that we're seeing today. So it does it will vary what people are are experiencing in terms of fear um, than other people, but I think that that's what it really boils down to, doesn't it? Whether it is with this pandemic or whether it is the anxiety on the rise, there is fear. And if you look at one thing that God over and over again, and one of the first words that Jesus convey, conveys to his disciples after his death and resurrection, and they have the, remember, they're locked up in the upper room, and I believe that it was the same room that was being rented during the Pascal, during the Passover meal, the night in which Jesus was betrayed. And so days later, they're locked up in that same room, the same room where Jesus washed their feet, the same room where Jesus broke the bread and passed the cup and said, this is my new covenant. And they're there and they're scared and they're afraid. And one of the first things Jesus says, again, going back to what his father, the God of Israel said in the old Testament repeatedly, fear not, do not be dismayed for I am your God. Well, the beauty in the new Testament is Jesus says, for I am with you. And you see that intimacy grow so, yes, it's fear, but let me say something more specifically that we're not connecting the dots with. So, like you said, that's, not un, that's really unseen, and that is the abandonment of God. We have Christians that believe the Bible, that 
came to a saving faith, according to Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, where they confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they believed in their heart that God raised him from the dead. And, they, and the Bible says, you shall be saved. Mm-hmm. And they made that confession of faith. They made that profession of faith. But what you're seeing with a lot of people today, and we're, again, you and I know we're just speaking to our brothers and sisters out there. There's a lot of mm-hmm. people who've turned away from God, not because they disbelieve in him as Savior, but they have lacked the faith and intimacy in prayer, mm-hmm. and that's connected to the fear. And that is the most troubling thing right now that we are seeing is that people are not depending on him like they should. And as a result, the world will replace whatever it is that they feel empty about and say, pursue this, pursue that, more money, more, more time on the job. Um, you know, the sad thing, you know, Kim, is I know churches are doing their best within, the, within some of, I think, the unconstitutional regulations that they're dealing with in their different cities around the country. But nevertheless, I know that we are trying to, we are trying to do our best as well-balanced leaders, being submissive to our government officials, according to Romans 13, understanding, depending on the district and the city that you live in, of how impactful the virus has been and how overloaded maybe the hospitals are, or maybe they're not doing as many testings as they're doing in other bigger cities that have more money. Um, So I know it will vary, but the point being is this. I know it's been difficult trying to get people back into church and trying to get back to normalcy. And what's happened as a result is a lot of Christians have gotten comfortable just to do church at home or not do Mm -hmm. church at all. And so what that's doing now is it's causing, again, it's feeding more of the anxiety. And I will tell you, Kim, Another thing that we're, mm-hmm. that we're not seeing directly because of the privacy and the guilt of it is pornography addiction. Yeah. That is on the rise. That is on the rise. So even though churches and stuff are going more technologically, they're becoming more technologically advanced to impact and reach people as best they can during this time of the pandemic. At the same time, we are having the, the, the movement of the porn industry that's taking advantage of the amount of people who are spending more time on their devices than they were you know, pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there, um, and, and I think just talking about it is to try to resonate with some of your listeners to say, okay, if they fall in any one of those categories, if they're afraid, if they're not going to church and they've gotten too comfortable and they're making excuses because it's too, it's too, un, I feel uncomfortable wearing a mask or whatever, um, you know, or they're cooped up, right? A lot of people are cooped mm-hmm. up. And they're not mm-hmm. engaging. We are social creatures. We need – it's one thing they can listen to the radio and they can do a Zoom, but you, you and I know you can't replace the physical touch, Absolutely. you know, interact with people in, in the same room. And, in, and, and not mm-hmm. only that, but some of the families, as you and I know, it's hard even with some loved ones. You can't even hug them of fear mm-hmm. of contaminating them or whatever. And so I think all of this is feeding this fear, and it's crippling mm-hmm. us. And so we have mm-hmm. to understand that. In the midst of it, Satan is using that, as we see throughout Scripture, we're seeing still today. He will use that to cause us to distance, to isolate, because when we do that, that's when he can go after us. Because, again, we're like that person who's being led astray, right, whether it's a form of false mm-hmm. doctrine or we're being led astray because we're thinking a certain way in our minds. We're, we're falling upon these false um, ideas or assumptions, or maybe we're being led astray because people are telling us to do something, and we're trusting them, yet they don't really have our interests at heart. So there's a combination of so many things there that we have to pay closer attention and talk about like we're doing right now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the whole issue of being in our homes and being so isolated, isolation is just the enemy's playground. I mean, that's where he longs for us to be. Alone, because as the lion attacks its prey, he looks for those who are alone, who are hurt, right? And so we are sitting mm-hmm. prey in our homes when we are alone, and it forces us to, to uh, the pornography is, is so right on. And here's the crazy thing about that statistic is it's growing among women as much as it is among men. Mm-hmm. Well, you're so, right. And let me, if I, if I may, one. We, we're just coming out with a new book with Baker Books at the end of this month. It's called Challenging Conversations, and the subtitle mm-hmm. is A Practical Guide to Discuss Controversial Topics in the Church. And so one of the chapters, again, is very controversial, right? It's like taboo is porn, 
And to your mm-hmm. point, when we were doing a lot of research with clinicians, Kim, um, mm-hmm. and having conversations with, with women, again, anonymously, where we were surveying a lot of them, uh, it's on the rise where you have about 30% of them are engaging. Now, obviously, porn in general, when you look at the industry, it's taking advantage of women. So we know women are, in many cases, forced into industry, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of human trafficking that goes on. So women have always been the predominant person that is featured in porn. But what you mm-hmm. and I are talking about is the craving desire um, mm-hmm. that they're going to, to porn um, to fill something. And that is actually, we know, is showing that there's a lack of, of, of security and intimacy that women are experiencing. And it also mm-hmm. links to a lot of dysfunction they've had, again, when you and I are talking in the last segment about men not leading. There is a correlation there. And one of the mm-hmm. things that we find within substance abuse and porn addiction, the number one reason why people get themselves involved in it is not because they crave the booze or the drug or they just w- woke up one day and says, man, you know, I just really want to get addicted to porn. Um, uh-huh. Yes, we're sexual creatures, but we're not going to die if we don't satisfy our sexual desires. It's not like food and water. But the mm-hmm. culture says it is because they say we're, we are our, our identities define on our sexuality. So yes, there's a growing generation that's so sucked into that. But what we're seeing though is going into these areas. Tra- trauma is one of the number one reasons why people are in substance abuse and porn addiction. Mm-hmm. So we can't have we can't assume, and this is one of the things trying to educate again your listeners and the church at large. We can't just assume if somebody's in drugs or someone's in porn, that they're just some kind of an addict because they desire it and they're like a junkie and we got to get rid of them or we can't have them around our kids. No, Mm -hmm. the sad reality is people get involved primarily in something with a substance abuse or porn addiction because of trauma. Mm-hmm. And see, and Pastor, that's where I feel like that's right there is where my heart is. Uh, and I know yours as well, probably many of our listeners. This is where we must uh, quit looking at an audience of, of the thousands and to be more like Jesus and, and start having one on one interactions with people. And I too am called to equip leaders. So I work with a lot of leaders, a lot of a lot of pastors' wives go into a lot of churches. And, you know, it's helping women connect. One of the things that I've been out, someone, I had a pastor ask me last year, how in the world do you work with thousands of women and you have no cat fights? Isn't that a funny question? But here's the <laughs> thing. Here's the thing. When, you, when women and men and teens, when we sit with one another and really have a conversation about the hurts and the traumas that we've gone through, then we begin to understand one another. And when we understand one another, we're willing to fight for one another. There's a commonality there. I hid behind so many hurts for so many years, but I also sat on the pew of the church, or I was real busy, whichever one I needed, wanted to do to kind of fool people. But I, that's what I want the listeners to hear is that, Rather than making judgments on the people who are different or who are not doing or not not engaging the way you think, to really sit down and have that one-on-one conversation and and to begin to unearth that hurt that they've gone through or that burden, so that there can be healing. Because that's really the way Jesus did it too. So many times, is that one-on-one, the, the Samaritan woman. Look what he was able to do. Look what he pulled out of her, her potential, when she felt so worthless. Well, and that's what I refer to, and to your point, Kim, is is what we're praying for more Christians to become are conversant Christians. And, and a conversant Christian who's an advocator of God's truth is someone who, and it, you know, we talk about this in Stand Strong America to where, look, there's a lot of issues that we're faced with today. But if you do go back to what was formulated in the minds and the hearts of the founders, Again, I'm not, I'm not endorsing every single founder, and we don't do that in the book, nor do we make the case that, we have, that the founders built a Christian nation. That was not their intent. Their intent was mm-hmm. to propagate the gospel within the colonies. Uh, many of them didn't even know what states looked like, and many of them didn't even know what federalism um, was going to be, You know, this whole concept. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that they pursued these things as they looked – to the word of God, and they were advised by brilliant minds of the day 
that they were reading that were built on the Ten Commandments, you know, a Judeo-Christian ethic. They mm-hmm. wanted to see a Christian heritage to be propagated in the hearts and minds of people because they knew that it was not, as our first president said, it's not – they were not staking the, the future of the country on government, but they're staking the future of our political institutions, he says, based on the capability of people being self-governed. Now, mm-hmm. that's what a conversant Christian is, someone who's able to lead their home, be mm-hmm. invested, and work hard in, their, in, their, in, in whatever God has called them to do uh, in the public square. But also, as the Bible tells us very clearly in Ephesians 5, verse 15, that we are to see that we walk carefully. You know, in the mm-hmm. Greek, for your listeners to understand, what Paul's saying in Ephesians 5, verse 15 is that we are to live with honor. We are to live mm-hmm. with purpose. Where to be courageous, and notice it also carries the idea of this, this, this term carefully and how we are to live in the world is we're not to tolerate things that are evil. So if you were to put that just in perspective, that one little phrase in Ephesians 5 verse 15, you look around and all the things you, you and I have been talking about, what people are feeling when Janice called about her husband, and, and we're, we're needing men to step up you know, and lead, and we're, we're calling churches to repent because a lot of them have gotten so sidetracked on what their core mission is, and that's to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry instead of advancing their platform and their vision. And I think mm-hmm. COVID, you know, in the midst of this, is shaking things up to say, stop worshiping the big box store. Stop being in the mainstream of evangelicalism and start getting back to preaching God's word, depending on the power of the Holy Spirit, like we saw in the early church, and taking the mm-hmm. advice of what Paul's saying here that we are to live honorably, with purpose, courageously, and not tolerating evil. So when you do look at the life of an individual who's hurting, if you're living honorably, if you're living with purpose, if you're courageous, if you're not going to tolerate evil, you're going to jump into that conversation with that person, and you're going to help them. You're not going to judge them hypocritically. You will judge them righteously, but not with indignation. And the Bible says not to live unwise, but to live wise, and that word in Greek carries the idea of being sensible, to be intelligent, to discern people. And that isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the mm-hmm. great thing is, and going back to what we're seeing in Titus 2, the reason why we need to get back to opening our homes and allowing godly men and women, particularly couples, Tim, to love mm-hmm. on people and to help them in their marriage and to help them um, lead their kids and to help them in their workspaces and to help them go through COVID. That's why I'm encouraging more uh, churches, find ways that you can wherever you wherever your church is located to be engaging people more than ever because they are desperate they need it and if you can start yes. equipping more men to do that because men they're seeing the warfare but a lot of them are not seeing the leaders they're not seeing the generals come and right. call them to action and say get out there we need more boots on the ground but a lot of men are like well I'm willing to do it but this isn't really my forte I just I need some direction but a lot of right. people are afraid to do that I for mm-hmm. one am not I I see mm-hmm. that when you have a group of men, um, and they're directionless, and you don't have a leader. Uh, we, we, it's like talking heads, or we'll go our separate ways because ultimately men, we're not prideful enough to where we're going to disregard leaders. When we have a leader who will lay down his life for us and is a living example who's going to instruct men and be respectful and identify the skill set that's in that room, they're going to follow that man. Mm. And that's what we're lacking Yes, absolutely. That that's exactly right. That we know there's a need. We have no one to lead. You know that that's the thing. It's like that we have. There's just such such a need, and I feel like that people who are listening right now, it's like maybe maybe this is a a, a call to urgency. You know, one of the things that I feel like God has has very clearly said to me in the last little bit is, you know, with it, with leading women to to help them to be comfortable and to be. Uh, in the word, to be comfortable in the word and not fear, but not to be complacent because there is an urgency upon our world. Uh, Pastor, don't, do, do you sense an urgency that this is a, a time of crossroads where our country could go one way or the other, and it's going to depend on not the world, but actually the people in the church, the believers, who are going to lead that, that new direction? Yes, and you know, I like what you said there because I remember when my colleague and I were praying. And again, this is this is before the book came out, uh, roughly around the time when Trump came into office. Okay, and so there was still a lot mm-hmm. of unknowns. Just like again, nothing's new under the sun, right? 
Um, But one of the verses that came to mind to speak to what you're saying, and I really hope and pray this will really hit the hearts of each one of the people listening right now, Kim. And it's it's a verse that's found in Psalm 94, verse 16. And, And it's posed in two questions. So it's almost like, letting the listeners soak this in and, and, and be hit with these two questions. The first question that's found in Psalm 94, verse 16, is, is this question, who will rise up for me against the wicked? Mm-hmm. So in one sense, each one of us are saying that, who is going to stand up for me and my family? Who am mm-hmm. I going to look to as a leader who's going to take care of me, who has the interests of myself and my family at heart? That's what we crave. That's what all yes. of us crave. We know when we see, as the Bible says, the righteous rejoice when the godly enroll, but we groan when the wicked are in power. And the other yes. question in Psalm 94, verse 16 is, who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Who are people out there right now that we can look to? And those are questions that we are asking ourselves. And so, yes, I believe with the, anybody who's listening who is a true shepherd, as you, you and I reflect in, in the famous passage when – Paul was telling the elders, uh, Miletus, when he was there for a few days with him. And remember, prior to this, in the second journey, he had spent many times engaging and ministering to them for the past few years. And so uh, later on, when he's jumping into his third missionary journey, he has time to, to minister to these elders. And so he calls them. This is the only passage, and I think this is so significant for us to understand. In Acts 20, this is the only passage that Luke records of Paul ministering directly in a sermon, if you will, speech, a lecture given mm-hmm. to Christian leaders. Everything else is Paul speaking, you know, defending himself in chapter 22 and verse 26, the famous passage in Acts chapter 17 when he's in Mars Hill, and he's speaking against, you know, the political views of the day, and he uses the unknown God inscription to lead them to the God of Israel who gives, you know, Jesus Christ, who's the Messiah, and he does it in brilliant mm-hmm. fashion against the Epicureans and Stoics. But in Acts 20 is the one passage where Paul's speaking to spiritual leaders who are leading the church. And if you remember, and it's really uh, uh, based on his – what he would later write, what I just read to you in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. But in Acts 20, listen to these beautiful words, and it's, it's something that we need to listen to today. And it's found in verse 28. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And then it says to take care of them to to not neglect the flock and i believe that the sense of urgency for pastors and for men today is you got to pay care pay pay close attention to yourself meaning self-examine you what is your motives right now why are you doing what you're doing or why are you failing to do what you know that you ought to be doing right now men in the business sense they they relate to that all the time Right, Mm -hmm. because they look at the people they have around them, they look at the product that they're trying to sell, and they look at the process in which they're able to get that into the hands of consumers. So they're always asking questions as to how we can improve these things. But spiritually, and more importantly, we are as men are called to be overseers of people's souls, pastors in the churches, elders as overseers of the affairs of the church. The Bible tells us specifically that if you can't run the affairs of the home, how can you run the affairs of the church? These are, these are pure indictments that I think that we have undermined. And so there is a sense of urgency now where men have to take so – they have to take self-examination of themselves, look at their motives, and look at their intents, get right with God, and be aware, uh, Kim, that when we do this, that we know that it's the Holy Spirit who has called us, not me. Not because of the, yes. any giftedness that I have or any education that I have, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit who's called me to be an overseer to take care of the church. And notice he then says, because there are ferocious, there are fierce wolves who are out there. And I think there is a sense of urgency. You know, there are two things in my eschatological position of the end times, Kim. There are two things mm-hmm. that we see in the Olivet Discourse that Jesus has warned us. Number one, he says there will be rumors of wars and there will be the increase of apostasy. Those are the only two signs that Jesus gave us before he returns for his church, I believe. And so when we look at our state of our country and we look around the world, number one, we're seeing that there have always been kingdoms divided, and there's always the back and forth. And now with technology, we have cyber terrorism, right? So a lot of the attacks that we're seeing is the infiltration into our uh, systems, whether uh, stealing uh, intellectual property, whether trying to undermine 
our national security through trying to go after things through the web, whatever the case may be, you know, or a nuclear weapon, God forbid, or an EMP. But the point mm-hmm. is, Jesus says that will continue to increase before I return. But at the same time, you will also see an increase of apostasy, which Paul referenced that later, and he refers to as doctrine of demons. And we have to be more urgent to be in God's word, to be trained and not take lightly what our calling is as a Christian these days. Because we are seeing generations rising up who are totally secular, who yes. are told they can define their own, their own pronouns, their own gender. We have mm-hmm. mass confusion and dysphoria that is taking place. We're seeing the crumbling and the departure of leaders in the home, and so families are falling apart. We have generations of, of lost kids. They may be going to a good school, but they're totally morally inept, and mm-hmm. we're seeing the toll that this is having. So, yes, there's a sense of urgency for us to wake up, cry out to God, allow the Holy Spirit to use us, and your listeners need to have a sense of urgency and say, what are the spiritual gifts that God has given me so that I can stand strong in America today and do the things that God has called me to do? And you know what? Start looking around. They need to look at you and be reminded, man, I have Kim I listen to, and, and this Pastor Jason, and I have this person, and I have this person. There are actually people that God has raised up in cities all across this yes. great nation of ours. And we need to start looking at that instead of looking at the negativity of, ads and this or we watch something on youtube or whatever and i think what we have to be also be paying close attention to is a critical spirit there's a lot Mm. of negativity and a lot of complaining yes and Mm -hmm. i look at people say we're not meant to be complainers we're meant to be disciple makers Mm -hmm. and that's what we need to be more urgent about Absolutely. Well, yes, exactly, because we can start sounding like the world and the more we speak it the more we start living that way Oh, my gosh, you! I've just taken so many notes. I'm just writing. Um, I knew this hour was going to go by so fast, and I just pray that the words that you've said will just seep into the hearts of our listeners. Pastor, this, this book, and, and to my listeners, Stand Strong America, this is an incredible book, and it's, I think, the fourth or fifth book that, that, that Pastor Jason has written. But please uh, order that on Amazon. It is an incredible. Uh, as a matter of fact, Tony Perkins, president of Family Research Council, says it's a powerful book. It provides Christians real answers to stand firm on God's truth in the midst of great uncertainty. And, Pastor, to me, it's almost like we have to come back and take responsibility for ourselves. And it's almost like put a, put a circle around us to start with and make our lives uh, in align with God's word. That, I mean, that, if that's the beginning, when you say stand strong, we have about five minutes. Speak to our listeners about how to, maybe they're down, maybe they're so fearful of what's going on. Maybe we know the depression rates, how they're escalating. We know that the the domestic violence has increased 27% during all this. We know the addictions. We know the suicides. We know how it's going up. We know the desperation of the people. But we also know a great God who says greater is he who is within us and he is in the world and all this that's coming out. So would you take a few minutes and just bombard the hearts of fear um, and all that the enemy is trying to do? Will you bombard the hearts with God's hope and, and give them a couple of things just to begin to do today um, to, to, to stand firm, to stand strong? Mm. Well, again, Kim, it's been an honor to talk with you and just uh, being encouraged again with your guys' vision and this opportunity to spend this hour, you know, with you and your listeners. And we do pray that as we have spoken together that we are here to encourage, right, each one of us because there's a lot of discouragement and there's a lot of negativity. So, and, you know, my closing to leave a, a word, if I may, as you've asked me to do to the listeners is one of the things that we need to do. And again, this is not like the American style. I think what we've done in America is we go to a conference, we buy books and we think that's going to solve everything. I I, I don't think we need more information. We don't need more equipping, if you will, in a sense, what we need is we need to be strong in the Lord. And that's so important because if you look in the context of scripture in Ephesians five, Paul just got over in chapter five of a time about how wives and husbands are to love and respect each other. Right. And then in chapter 6, he tells children to honor their parents, and he tells parents how 
to raise their children, and particularly fathers, to not provoke their children in anger, but to raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, in order for, parent, for, for a father to do that, he's got to know the instruction of the Lord. He's got to live in himself. Wow. Right, he's got to practice what he preaches. Right, we say. Right. And then he talks right. about masters, and he talks about working with employees, employers. So he's talking about the practicality of Christian living. But you know what? Yeah. In the midst of life, he then closes the letter by talking about spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. and he tells us about putting on the whole armor of God. And you know what? I've I've paid close attention to sermons, to commentaries. To people in general in conversation, and there's ine- inevitably, Kim, there are two things that people miss out when they talk about putting on the whole armor of God. Mm-hmm. And it's this. Number one, people fail to mention verse 10. Before the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right, in verse 12, they fail to mention right. standing in the mighty power of God. Yeah. And we have to be reminded that it's not in our own strength. We have to pray for the power of God, which leads me to a second thing, as I just said. The, the thing that people also fail to mention in Scripture when talking about the whole armor of God is to pray in the Spirit. The Bible mm-hmm. tells us in verse 18 that we are to pray at all times in the Spirit. So two things I leave with your listeners. One, guys, please, I beg you, men and women listening, that you need to know – that the strength that you need to fight against the temptation, to fight against anxiety, to fight against addictions, to fight against um, a point of view or an attitude in your home is you have to stand in the Lord in the strength of his might, mm-hmm. and you will prevail. That does not mean that all of your worries and stuff will be cast away and that you won't have any more sin. We live in a fallen, broken world, so this side of heaven, we will still have our trials and tribulations. But you will be able to prevail because you're in the mighty power of God. And number two is you have to pray in the spirit. That's not flippant prayers. That's not little prayers before you go to bed. Praying in the spirit all times is allowing the spirit to move in your heart, to be in communion with God, and you start praying with persistency and with urgency. Those Mm -hmm. two, the power of God and in the power of the spirit as we pray, is what keeps the whole armor of God connected. And that's what I leave with your, your listeners, Kim. Wow, Pastor, uh, thank you so much. Uh, tell them very quickly how they can reach you because I know that people are going to want to reach you. And again, uh, our listeners, Stand Strong America at um, uh, Amazon and all, all outlets, but there are also other books, uh, The Raging War, uh, How to Take Back Our Faith, Family, and Country. Um, I love this official study guide of um, how to not have enough, you don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I love that. I love this. The Bible's answer to 100 of life's biggest questions. Jason, pastor, you have, you are a wealth of knowledge and I hope that you'll come back. I would love to bring you to Baltimore. What an amazing event that could be. So lots of things hopefully in our future. So I'd love to uh, connect you with lots of families here and, and how can they reach you? Well, I appreciate you mentioning some of those books. So they, they can go to standstrongministries.org, or they can just okay. Google me and, and search for Jason Jimenez, J-I-M-E-N-E-Z, and that, you know all the information, all those social outlets, you know the platforms are, are readily available you know, from our YouTube stuff, our podcasts we do weekly, uh, my teachings that are out there, and then the books. So standstrongministries.org is our main site. Absolutely, and I, wanna, I want to um... – Spell your name again for our listeners uh, because it's it's, a, uh, it's J-I-M-E-N-E-Z. So, listeners, please please order these books because this is what we need. We, there's so much hope out there, but the hope comes to the healing of each of our hearts and us getting out there and using those healed hearts as a voice of God's hope. Pastor, thank you beyond words for joining us this morning. I pray that it's been a blessing to you as you have blessed so many, and I look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you so much for joining us. And to our audience, I'd like to thank you for joining us, and I pray that you take the words, all the scripture, the information that you've received today, let it permeate your heart, and ask God to help you to stand in his power, to pray in the spirit, so that you, within your home and your family and your life, can stand strong. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Pastor. We'll see you again next time. To learn more about Kim's books, teaching materials, or to invite Kim to speak at your event, please visit 
KimCrable.com. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, to learn more, please visit KimCrable.com.